0: Hey, back in 2016, there were 736 bicycle crashes in North Carolina. That was according to the 2017 Traffic Crash Facts Report. We're going to talk a little bit about that and one of those crashes in particular on this segment of the Carolina Outdoors. Welcome, everyone. Here we are, your host, Bill barty on this side. And Wes Lawson on this side. And, of course, we are here, Wes, each week to promote people getting outdoors to do active things to recreate. And through doing that, we talk about those things specifically. And we also talk to people that are doing those things. And that's what we're going to do on this segment. So back to those bike crashes. Of those 736, one of them was here in Charlotte on Providence Road near Andover. It occurred on an early morning training ride, September 24th, That ride started a little bit after 6 a.m. Although the rider was wearing lights and reflectors on himself and his bike, the high humidity, heavy condensation, and darkness limited the visibility for the driver of the F-150 truck that hit him. So when the truck hit the bike, it launched the rider forward, shattering his spine and vertebrae and paralyzing him. That crash became a nationally featured story. The Today Show... The Ellen Show, the 700 Club, the New York Post, and many, many more covered it. But it wasn't because of the crash itself. It was because of the aftermath. That bike rider chronicles the precursor to that day, the events and the recovery involved in his newly released book, 2% Chance, A Journey in Resilience, Recovery, and Rebirth. And that rider joins us now. Let's welcome Dean Otto to the Carolina Outdoors. Dean, welcome.
1: Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Wes. Glad to be here.
0: Man, it's great to have you. And I'm, let's just jump in first thing, Dean, because you're an accomplished runner in your past, an accomplished athlete, if you will, through high school and on. But but as an adult, you were an accomplished runner. You've completed the New York Marathon. You've run um, half marathons in London and, and and other activities like that. As a runner, let me ask you, what were you doing on a bike? That fateful morning.
1: <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I actually uh, pulled my hamstring running the New York City Marathon in 2015. Uh, it's been a chronic injury that I was never able to overcome. And my coach, uh, after running the London Marathon six days prior to the crash, basically said, "Hey, you need to like knock off the running for about a month and uh, and just and just bike." So, you know, I had a lot of trepidation about buying a bike. Uh, I knew that you know people get hit um, on on the streets of Charlotte and all over the country, and I just, you know, she convinced me that it was, it was probably going to be pretty safe uh, if I stay in the bike lanes. Uh, of course, I wasn't in a bike lane when this happened, but, um, yeah, I, I, was, I rode when I was a kid uh, with my dad on lots of, like, cool tour rides, but I'd never, you know, other than doing some triathlons, uh, concentrated that much on the bike. So, yeah, I was on the bike. As part of a like normal Saturday morning thing, I would have done like a, a an hour or an hour and a half long run uh, in the morning. And and but but this morning I was going to ride for for about an hour uh, around the city.
0: So uh, I mentioned that I mentioned in that open the, the the crash became a national featured story, and it wasn't just because of the crash. You were riding down the road, and you saw other trucks or and cars passing. And then you heard a screech. And when that truck hit you, it launched you forward and again, you know, broke your back essentially. But what made the nationally and local um, periodicals, shows, all of that pick it up was because it was a forgiveness story and a friendship story and, and a faith story all combined into one. Um, And you've done many inspirational talks and interviews about that. Tell us about that crash and then the immediate forgiveness that you gave to the person that hit you at the scene of the crash. Can you describe that?
1: Sure. So, yeah, I I heard the screech just like you described, Bill, and then the lights went out. I heard my tire explode, and I woke up in the middle of the street, and I had two guys standing over me the driver and the passenger uh, of the F-150 truck. And the first thing I thought in my mind, I was like, why the heck did these guys not see me? You know, I had all the right gear on, had a helmet on, I had lights, uh, reflectors, uh, all that good stuff on a vest and on my bike. But they, they weren't able to, to see me because of the condensation uh, and the darkness, as you described. But, you know, I basically reverted back to my training and, and my training uh, actually started about seven years prior to that. So uh, I'm uh, a sober alcoholic. I uh, quit drinking in, in August of, of, of 2009. And one of the things we learned uh, in my recovery was you can't have resentments and um, you have to accept life on life's terms. So definitely a spiritual journey uh, that I started on back then that I continued on and then used that training uh, to be able to, to forgive uh, Will. So I just said a little prayer. Uh, actually, a couple of little prayers that morning uh, right after the, the accident because I, I literally couldn't feel anything below my, my waist. I was – my back was broken in half. It was dislocated. I had a broken uh, uh, tailbone, uh, a broken uh, leg, broken ribs. Uh, I was in pretty bad shape, shattered, shattered uh, L1 and T12 vertebrae. Uh, so I just – I said a quick prayer of forgiveness uh, to, to Will, the, Will Huffman, the man that hit me because I didn't want to harbor any resentment uh, to him. Resentments can lead alcoholics to drink, which is not something I'm interested in doing. Uh, So I immediately did that, and then I just said a quick prayer to God. said, look, God, this is way bigger than I can handle. I I don't know what you have in store for me, but I know your plan is beyond my comprehension, and I put my trust in you. And at that moment and from that moment on, I was free of fear. Uh, I put it in God's hands, and I I felt uh, this amazing warmth and love and that was it from then on it was just like okay this is not that big a deal i'm just gonna like start running again pretty soon little did i know how bad the the uh injury actually was bill it was a lot worse than what i thought
0: well uh, part of your story and you have been a storyteller at jesse browns before the book release that just happened this week we're going to talk more about it but talk a little bit about the old dean the the Demeanor of the old dean um, and the transformation that came with it, "quote unquote" the tools that you have in your toolbox through a twelve-step program compared to the dean that was struck that that 2016 day.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really about like a guy that was restless, irritable, and discontent all the time. To be honest with you, Bill, you know, my, my drinking—I didn't lose anything. I didn't lose a job. I didn't lose my family. Um, I didn't, never had a DUI, never got arrested, never had any of those yet, as we say, uh, in my recovery program. Uh, they hadn't happened yet to me, but uh, had I continued on the road that I was on, it probably would have, frankly. So uh, luckily, my elevator didn't have to go through the basement and into the ground. Uh, I had a very like low bottom, as we like to say, uh, and my family uh, did an intervention uh, on me uh, on the 23rd of, of August of 2009, and You know, for some reason, I don't know why, but that day I was receptive to the message. And i played this in my head a million times if if this could happen, because I figured it would probably happen at some point. And uh, every time I thought about it, you know, my immediate reaction was was like, you know, the heck with you guys. I'm just going to be out of here and you don't don't know me. I'm going to live my life. But but that day there was a crack in the door and um, I was receptive to another way of life. And that was really where I started my journey.
0: Well, at this point in the story, and if you're just joining us, Wes Lawson, Bill Barty, our guest is Dean Otto. He's got a recently uh, released book, 2% Chance, A Journey in Resilience, Recovery, and Rebirth. He's going to be on hand at Jesse Brown's December 9th at 5 p.m. for a book signing, so you can stop by Jesse Brown's there in the Sharon Corners Shopping Center in the Shopping District of Charlotte, South Park, uh, to get this book and to have Dean sign it. But Dean, at this point, let's bring in some other players in this, in this wreck, in this uh, incident, because that forgiveness that you gave Will um, helped him heal himself because of the guilt he felt uh, in the accident. Um, It allowed him really to heal and forgive himself from the trauma of hitting you in a pickup truck and along with another friend that a relationship was built, the man that helped put you back together dr matt McGirt, uh, of charlotte so tell us about how that relationship between the three of you kind of cultivated and um grew
1: yeah it's pretty wild how it grew so uh will huffman the man that hit me actually sought me out through facebook uh found my coach kelly phil now who's also a world class uh triathlete and has her own giant coaching practice coaches athletes all around the country um they found me uh he wanted to come and apologize uh he, they talked to my wife beth and beth said you know come on at first i was a little bit you know wary of, of meeting him but then i was like you know this kid he didn't do anything wrong it was an accident he didn't set out that morning to hit me or do any harm it was it just it was a it was an accident and i don't want it to ruin his life and i don't want him to have to live with this so uh, of course, we brought him in. We, we thought it was going to be about a five-minute awkward, you know, I'm sorry, uh, you're forgiven conversation. But I'd already forgiven him in my heart, so it was really kind of pretty easy from that point on. So they came in, five minutes turned into two hours. They're amazing people themselves. Uh, they've also been through a lot of uh, turmoil as well, and um, they're just great people. Matt, on the other hand, you know, I I met him for the first time in the recovery room, uh, waking up, having just, you know, received, spinal fusion and all the other stuff they did to me. And, uh, he was just a super nice guy. And most of like, if not all of the patients that Matt deals with prior to my accident, he really had no like relationship with, because they kind of keep that at arm's length where they don't get too involved. But Matt walked into the recovery room, uh, and saw all the friends and family that were in there. And he just kind of identified with, Hey, that could be me, or that could be one of my close friends. And, you know, kind of let his guard down a little bit. And, uh, You know, I challenged him to a half marathon uh, a year to the date after uh, uh, my accident. And and, and I wanted to go give back and and raise money for spinal cord patients because I I knew I had a chance that morning when I woke up because I was able to barely, barely wiggle my uh, right toe. That was the only thing I could move, barely could move it. And I got us to move. It was kind of one of those Disney moments. Everybody's crying and uh, high-fiving. And I knew I had a chance. I knew I had a super long road. Uh, and I had to basically learn how to do everything in my life below my belly button all over again. Over a period of many months, uh, I slowly recovered. Um, some things quicker, some things slower. I mean, I I was able to uh, walk on a walker to the bathroom 72 hours after the accident. Two steps, most painful two steps I've ever taken. Uh, the next door, day I got to the door, the next day I got to the end of the hall, the next day they kicked me out and sent me over to the rehab center. And then I... Basically, walked out of a place that not many people ever walk out of. Uh, So I feel feel very fortunate to that. But Matt and I've got a lot in common, uh, except he's a lot smarter than me, and he's a neurosurgeon, literally a brain (laughs) surgeon. But he's also an amazing person in his own right. And Matt's one of those rare guys that basically does his job better than anybody in the world. And give him about two days, and he could probably do your job better than you. You can't. So um, a guy that I just hold in the highest regard, as well as Will, um, and and their wives, their families. They're they're just amazing people, and I have no chance to come back from this accident, if not for the support from, you know, my wife and my kids and my in-laws and my sister, all the family and friends that I have, you know, around the country, at prayers of folks going out, you know, or, across the world, literally. Uh, and, and all those efforts, you know, really, like, gave me momentum. It was a flywheel, more, you know, fantastic about their support, more I wanted to, like, come back for them. And it just just kept kind of kept kind of growing on each other. and. You know, our, our friendships have evolved. Will's moved away to uh, Richmond. He moved about seven months after the uh, accident. Still keep in close contact with him. I'm sure I'll uh, talk to him tomorrow on Thanksgiving. I always do because uh, I'm very grateful for him and uh, and Matt as well. Uh, and Matt lives just, you know, right up in Mars Park, so he's not very far at all. I get to see him all the time.
2: You know, Dean, in the previous life, I was an EMT, and we would refer to motorcycles uh, as donor cycles. And uh, road bikes were kind of the same thing, because whenever we rolled up on one of those scenes, it was usually um, a really terrible day for everybody yeah. involved. And you mentioned it. Not many people get a chance to walk out of the place where you were. You had a lot go right for you, taking steps 72 hours after that accident. How long was it before you were back to being any semblance of being active? I mean, you're you're a fit, active guy now, doing a lot of great things. But how long was it before you were thinking about taking a walker in the neighborhood, going for a hike, or a jog, or getting back on a bike?
1: Yeah, honestly, it was pretty immediate. So, you know, I was I snuck out of the hospital, the rehab place, a few times with my walker. And walked along the Greenway, uh, you know, up uh, by uh, CMC Main, or Atrium uh, Health Main, uh, right there uh, in Myers Park. Uh, And then I actually walked a 5K four weeks to the day after my accident. I would signed up for it, hoping that I could break 20 minutes one last time. Uh, More of like an ego thing for me, I think. Uh, Obviously, I'm not going to be able to do that again, probably. Uh, I'm not nearly as fast as I used to be. I don't have nearly the spring, but... You know the training run where they actually let me start running again um, didn't really start until December, late December, uh, and and then I, I actually ran into to Will Huffman and his wife Janelle uh, on one of my first training runs in, in McAlpine Park. Windy day, I was almost back to the car and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do a couple more sprints. I cut back out into the woods, and lo and behold, there they are walking their dog, and they're like, what are you doing, man? And I'm like, look, I'm training for my comeback race. You guys should sign up for it. Uh, And it was the Gojin Go 5k. That's usually around March. Uh, you know, in the springtime, it's a little bit cold, early spring. So uh, I signed them up, signed us up. Uh, they committed to run it. We ran it and lo and behold, believe it or not, I actually beat them, which, uh, (laughs) surprised everybody. Uh, and then I just continued on. I was supposed to run a, a marathon, uh, called Big Sur out in California. I signed up with three of my real, real good buddies. And, um, we weren't able to uh, obviously do that because I couldn't run. I can't really train for a marathon anymore. I can handle a, a half, uh, but but the, the training is too rigorous for, for a full marathon. So I talked uh, Matt into letting me run five miles. So I ran five, the first five miles uh, of the Big Sur Marathon with a relay of four people. Uh, so I was able to still enjoy that experience with the guys I signed up with originally. And then you know I did uh, several fundraisers after that, uh, one of which was a thing called Finish My Ride. And that was actually goes back to an old, you know, lesson I learned from my dad when I was about ten or eleven years old, and I was r- riding a uh, hundred mile bike tour with him. And after about seventy five or eighty miles, it was super hot, it was super flat. It was in August uh, in uh, Ohio, actually. You know, I'm in Kentucky at the time where I grew up, but uh, I was about out of gas, and there was a, st- uh, a station, like a rest station, and. My dad thought that I'd jump back on the bike to follow him back out to finish the ride. And lo and behold, this guy that was going to throw in the towel kind of, he didn't talk me into throwing in the towel, but I was like, you know, I'll just wait for the sag wagon. Well, my dad got a couple miles down the road, realized I wasn't behind him. He turned around and came back and, and he told me to get my butt back on that bike, that we were going to finish the ride. And that's the lesson that I've learned, you know, that I've taken through my life that you, 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 you finish what you start. So I wanted to go finish that ride that I wasn't able to finish uh, on that morning of, of September 24th, and uh, so I did. I put together a group of guys. Uh, we had a motorcycle escort, and uh, and we rode the route that I was going to ride that morning. So um, it was
0: really cool. Dean Otto is our guest. He's got a brand new book out, Two Percent Chance: A Journey in Resilience, Recovery, and Rebirth. He's on with West Lawson, Bill Barti, the Carolina Outdoor Guys from Jesse Brown's. And Dean, let's talk about that book. We're not done yet, son. You're going to finish the ride. That's how it starts in uh, the finish line, chapter 10. But in the introduction of your book, um, it starts off as, growing up, English was my least favorite subject. I've never fancied myself a writer. That makes it hard to write a book when, uh, when you like mathematics the most. Uh, Can you talk to us a little bit about the makeup of the book? And in the chapters, you've got, uh, you know, the pain, the villain, the rock, the outlier, and so forth. Can you talk to us about how a mathematician or a person who works in technology writes a book like this?
1: (laughs) Great question. So, first of all, you know, I had a little bit of help. I, I started writing the book gosh, probably about four years ago and I put it down several times and during COVID I had a sort of a aha moment and it was like, you know, do you, do you really want to like do something meaningful with your life? This is a great story that you need to share. So, you know, I learned how to write really through business, uh, writing, you know, emails. I'm a sales guy, so I've got to learn how to be pretty persuasive um, in my writing and I got better, uh, but I also had, you know, the publisher uh, that helped me. I had a ghostwriter that helped me sort of organize my thoughts uh, he interviewed some folks. Um, I, so I, you know, I, I wrote a bunch of it myself. I had a lot of help from him uh, sort of organizing my thoughts. So I, I definitely didn't do myself, do it by myself. Like none of this uh, happens without the help of a lot of other people, Bill. And, you know, there's nothing that's a better feeling in, in my life than, than helping somebody else that gets us out of our own head uh, and concentrates on somebody else. And it's just, it's the best feeling in the world to be able to do that. And I, I think that's probably how I end the book, if my memory serves.
2: Well, and you know, one of the nice things about this is it is a very approachable read. It's also very relatable. It does not come across as preachy. You don't wax poetic on things that don't need it. It is a great read. Uh, We've only had it for a day or two, and it's it's been great to read and it's not because we've heard you talk about it before. It's because the message is so strong. But, you know, you've worked to pay it forward here, raising money for adaptive sports and adventurous programs for Atrium Health. Can you talk about that for just a minute?
1: Yeah, uh, there's a program that's sponsored by Atrium Health called uh, Adaptive Sports and Adventures Program. Uh, One of the guys I met serendipitously uh, at the doctor's office getting a checkup about six weeks after my accident, he was actually in there getting checked out Uh, so he could volunteer Uh, his name is brian muscarella and brian uh suffered a spinal stroke uh back gosh seven eight ten years ago and uh super rare thing that happened but basically you know below where the stroke happened which was you know about chest high for him he lost everything you know he doesn't he has no feel sensation um but his arms are super strong he's a accomplished athlete he's you know. Uh, run the New York marathon multiple times, just an amazing guy. And he's really, you know, my inspiration as far as like what a role model is. So, so we became friends. I took him to lunch that afternoon and uh, we stayed in touch and I I learned more about what he was doing and the sports programs that they have. And they have uh, some crazy stuff. They've got like wheelchair basketball and water and snow skiing. And um, the the, the craziest thing they do is this thing. uh, It's called wheelchair rugby. And it literally looks like battle bots that you would see on TV uh, where the guys are, like, crashing them into each other and they have spinning knives and everything else. Uh, <laughs> but those guys go at it uh, like you would not believe on a basketball court in these wheelchairs. And they're just they're amazing athletes. And, you know, you, you, I wanted to give or at least have a part in helping people have a purpose and feel, like, included and inclusive. Because at the end of the day, that's all we really strive for. Well, you know, we, we, it, it, we, we want to feel a part of. And I wanted to help those guys feel part of and gals.
0: You've done a great job at it, Dean. We're glad. Congratulations on the book. We're glad that your health continues being what it is. This book is available at R. Dean Auto, O-T-T-O, R. Amazon, as well as at Jesse Brown's and other retailers. We're going to have you December 9th at 5 p.m. Thank you for being on with the Carolina Outdoors.
1: Thanks, Wes and Bill. I had a great time. Really appreciate you having me on.
0: Off he goes and off we go. We'll be back with more on the other side.